What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Sean Stevenson's been a great ally for many years. He's the author of the book, Sleep Smarter, as well as the host of one of the top health podcasts on iTunes, The Model Health Show. We dive deep into a lot of topics. There's a ton of takeaways here. I hope you enjoy. We live in a really interesting time right now where our society is reeling from the momentum of a lot of bad ideas about nutrition that have carried us into a place where now as we're waking up, we're like, where the hell are we? How the hell did we get here? You know, and, and we're still dealing with the effect of this momentum. None can be probably more overstated than this idea that cutting out all the fat in your diet and replacing it with sugar and high fructose corn syrup was going to be a good switch for, for the majority of us. You know, you look at the label on, on yogurt and they'll say, zero fat yogurt. And then you look at the ingredient, it's, it's 35 grams of fructose sugar, you know, or whatever the hell they decided to put in there. And we somehow convinced ourselves that we were doing ourselves a service, but guess what? We weren't. And quite the opposite. We were you know, unleashing all of the demons of nutrition hell upon our on upon ourselves unknowingly. You know, we thought we were doing ourselves a service. Oh, fat in the food means fat in our body. Well, it turns out that's a bunch of bullshit. And now here we are in this world where, you know, a lot of us have made that switch, but a lot of us haven't. And we're kind of dealing from the momentum of that. I mean, do you ever, as you as someone who's been on the forefront and understanding all this, do you wish you had like a time machine and you could be like one of those people who could say, hey, everybody, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what? That might mess. I don't know if you've ever seen The Flash, but that might yeah. mess up the timeline. <laughs> For sure, though. And all of a the sudden. The whole world might be different. Right. How many people have made horrible- Hydra would be running <laughs> the country now. I can't imagine it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'd be better, actually. Why is it always worse in that situation? Fit Hydra soldiers. Yeah, yeah man. It was- um, it's it's so interesting, but I think it's just like these different ages, you know, like we have the, the Bronze Age, we have the mm -hmm. Stone Age, you know, and we, what's going through this is kind of part of our evolution. You know, I think a big part of learning is also learning what doesn't work. And we are so good at it right now, you know, like really understanding and becoming masterful at being fat, you know, so having <laughs> so much... <laughs> Hey, America, good job. <laughs> we are masters of fat. I like that. Frame it positive. <laughs> you know, and under, having that understanding, you know, we have such a great database to look at. But the issue today is like getting people to look at it, right? Yeah. Would you just look at it? Look at the data. Look at the, it's right here in black and white. And, and but that's changing with the internet, you mm -hmm. know, with what the internet allows you to do is you don't need somebody to 
be the the governor or the um, the barrier for you to be able to look into this information for you to learn by yourself. And so going through what we have, we've accumulated a lot of data. So one of the things you mentioned earlier, which is this understanding that, you know, fat, eating fat ends up as fat on your body. And really the foundational piece here is there's a problem with semantics. There's a problem with language that happened a long time ago that maybe I would go back and change this because it's a simple switch, but maybe, you know, again, we might have Hydra show up. But so here's the thing. (laughs) Fat, I would I would actually re, re, rephrase this or reframe it as instead of dietary fat, I would call it lipids or energy, mm-hmm. right? Instead of, because fat, it means the same thing to us. If I eat this fat, yep. it's gonna end up as fat on me. But that logic is sort of like eating a blueberry is gonna make you blue, yeah. right? It doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. We're not in Willy Wonka's chocolate no, we're not, we're You not eat not a blueberry, you don't look like You didn't blueberry. get the golden ticket. <laughs> And so the the issue is the the language barrier, but also who impressed this upon our culture. And this really kind of goes back to somebody named Ansel Keys, yep. who really promoted and pressed into uh, some of the top uh, health quote health experts at the time buying into this without real sound data that fat is the real culprit behind heart disease. Yep. Right. And so if we just pull out the fat, but look at the fats they're using. All right, we're talking about terrible hydrogenated oils, vegetable oils, mm-hmm. all right? Not real whole food-based oils. And by the way, even that language issue, vegetable oil, it's not broccoli oil. Yeah, That's not <laughs> kale oil. Give me some more of that kale oil. That'd be fantastic. This is corn oil, soybean yeah. oil, canola oil, which is a rapeseed, genetically engineered plant, right? And very high, as a lot of people know, it's very high in these omega-6 fatty acids, which we need all of them, but it skews the ratio. And your cells are so hungry for fats that they'll gobble that up and start to make your cell membranes out of really terrible, low-quality fats. And this enables your cells to break down a lot faster. This literally influences, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, You know, speaking to your team here, that your telomeres, right? So should I talk about telomeres sure, a little bit? Sure, let's do it. So the greatest biological marker that we've found in science to basically tell you how long you're going to live are these, these entities called telomeres. And telomeres are basically the end caps on all of your chromosomes, all right? And your chromosomes are basically the blueprint or printing out data to make you, all right? And so every time your cells divide, a little bit of these telomeres get clipped off until the cell unravels. Well, the I'm sorry, the uh, chromosome, chromosome unravels. And the best analogy I can give people is the aglet, which is that's at the end of your shoestrings, that little mm-hmm. plastic casing. If anybody's ever had the misfortune of trying to tie your shoes without aglets being there. Worse than tying them is trying to feed them back through the hole. Yes, oh man, without those. it's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. the worst. And you gotta so, like wet them, you gotta like right, suck put on a little, them. Put a little make, make a little like troll hair out of it. You know, like <laughs> yes. where the troll hair used to come to a point at the end and you stick the troll hair through and then you drag it and hope it brings the whole thing If they through, need yeah. a DNA sample to find your body, <laughs> they've got shoes without aglets yeah, exactly. right over there. Notice some spit on it. And so uh, these, the, the, these aglets, you know, these plastic end caps on your shoestrings are a great uh, parallel, a great identification for what telomeres are. And so you start to, as you age or your cells replicate, it clips off parts of that until it completely unravels. So that's aging. 
these fats have been found to accelerate this aging process, accelerate the loss of your telomeres, essentially aging you. In like, it's absurd how much faster this process happens. So that we you know about smoking, things like that. Mm-hmm. If you look at somebody who you know smokes conventional cigarettes, chances are they're going to have a tendency to look older, especially if they've been smoking for not a solid amount of time. You know, yeah. maybe they're forty, but they look a, they look like a definitely they're in their seventies. You know, as far as that skin health. And what it does, and it depends on your genetic disposition, you know, your, what you're predisposed to, what's going to break down faster. Maybe it is your skin. Maybe it is your lungs. Maybe it is your joints. And so we have to be mindful of that. And the last thing is, you know, with Ansel Keys pressing that into culture and people not asking questions, he really, in a way, kind of got one over on us. And it wasn't intentional. I'm sure he even... Probably had he was, a, a, he was a good almost a, a zealot of his own of his yeah. own philosophy. When you look at it, yeah. he was very charismatic, very defensive, and he advanced himself and his career based upon that position. Yeah. And that's one of the problems you see with science: is if right. you yeah. have a theory that you can create as the dominant theory, you arise, you rise up in fame and position and title. And he ended up being like one of the heads of the um, the USDA or FDA, or one of the right. top organizations that was um, you know putting out the information regarding food policy for the world just because he was the guy who had the charisma and had the the passion to do it and on the on the other side there was a professor named um john yudkin who wrote a book called soft white and deadly he was like no sorry everybody it's not fats that are the culprit of all these things it's sugar um and you know so that was a competing theory but he didn't have the connections he didn't have the wherewithal to make his theory dominant so even though you know and then the science if you're really trying to prove a theory you can, like you said, go out and, and say, yeah, it is fats. And you just test only the really bad fats. Right. And when in that case, you know, in all of these high omega-6 and hydrogenated fats, it's not necessarily the fat as much as the inflammation response that that's causing, yeah. you know, and then taking something like an omega-3 or a low inflammation saturated fat and testing that, which has actually subsequently been done and discovered to be that's incredibly healthy and restorative right. for the body, you can kind of skew the data. And even... I think he did like the famous seven nations study, right? Where he studies seven nations, but then he looked at a nation like France that's eating the shit out of brie cheese and butter. And <laughs> right. like, man, these guys yeah. in France are super healthy. Let's exclude them. Right. Let's exclude the oh, nation. It's the France paradox. Yeah, it's the France paradox, <laughs> right? So he's just carving out yeah. the countries that, that make the most sense to fit his data point. Exactly. And then it just created policy for the whole world. And then all of a sudden we end up in this time where everybody's taking all the fat out of there out of their food, layering it in with sugar, and we end up becoming the fattest country with the most heart disease and right. the fattest world with the most heart disease. It's like rise, it's risen exponentially if you chart you know, those policies of switching those foods out towards the, the epidemics that have followed. It's a clear correlation. Exactly. Hopefully now finally starting to get reversed, but you're still fighting, you still fight that same thing, that nomenclature thing. Yeah. The fact that you're calling it the same thing. And actually there was a study in 2015, a, a Swiss, a Swiss study in which they, they showed, um, yeah, let me, let's see here. Okay. I have the study right here. Um, trying to find the study here, but anyways, I can, I can paraphrase the study. I remember in 2015, a Swiss company, they surveyed uh, a ton of different doctors and they've also, it's the same thing happens with cholesterol, right? There's dietary cholesterol, and then there's human cholesterol. There's the cholesterol levels in our body, yeah. right? And it's the same idea where 
people thought, oh, you eat foods high in cholesterol, it raises your cholesterol. Same as like the idea of if you eat fat, it makes you fat. Well, the body is a complex metabolic machine and process. It doesn't work that way. It's not a one-to-one. It's not blueberries make you brown and blue, you know, exactly like you said. And eating dietary cholesterol doesn't directly raise your cholesterol. That's been proven unequivocally in the science. But in 2015 even, 40% of doctors still believed that ingestion of dietary cholesterol, like the egg yolk, for example, which created this whole nutty egg white craze, that eating the egg yolk would raise your cholesterol, which just isn't true, but it's really, it's a language thing. And that even doctors, you know, can fall victim to the simplicity of that language. Oh yeah, eat cholesterol, raise your cholesterol. Yeah, that's how powerful influence can be. You know, this is, what he did, that that's not science. When you go and pick and choose, that's not science. That's food dictatorship in a way, yep. you know? And the more we can become clear on this, and, you know, I have many, many amazing friends who are in the healthcare field, you know, physicians, um, nurses, and you'd be shocked. And people even still today don't really get this because we still have a separation between food and health. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a separation between food and what you see on a hormone panel or a blood panel. And those things are intimately connected, if not the most intimate thing. Because when I look at you, Aubrey, I see the food that you've eaten. Right. Crazy, right? I see the food that you've eaten. That's what we are. Or the lack thereof. Yeah. In some cases, you know, that's how powerful it is. And to say that it's not, as far as your physical what you're made of, if that's not the most important thing, I don't know what is, you know, but we shifted from that birthing a huge industry of pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar boss industry. And they're not going to just overnight say, you know what, you should just eat more broccoli, you know, yeah. and get off the statin. And I got to talk about this, man, because the cholesterol thing, because if people can understand and go through that pathway, what that actually looks like. So cholesterol, when you get a panel done, um, you've got the high density lipoprotein, right? HDL. And you got low density lipoprotein. Did I say cholesterol though? <laughs> I didn't nope. I didn't say cholesterol because it's a carrier molecule, right? It's not either of those things. Cholesterol is actually one of the most important nutrients for the human body because it's the seed or the building block for your sex hormones. Yep. If you have low cholesterol, everything that makes you go. <laughs> That's cholesterol. That's the food for that. Whether it's your muscles or it's in your pants, doesn't exactly. matter. If you're going, you need a little cholesterol in your body. Eat those egg yolks, son. You got to get that in. If you don't, you know, it's just you're looking at a situation. And again, evolutionary biology, we've been consuming cholesterol and food for since the beginning, right? As far as we could track Can you that. imagine an old school farmer, you know, out there going to the chickens and then they're separating the whites <laughs> from the yolks and then throwing away the egg yolks yeah. people will be looking at them like you're insane what are you doing what are you doing so this pathway with cholesterol and so you mentioned earlier it is it is sugar and this is how the process actually happens so when you consume glucose uh when you consume sugar and we could talk about this is in the form of you know high fructose corn syrup in the form in the form of you know even a banana where you're getting fructose it's going to end up as glucose in the body, right? And well, I'm sorry, fructose is going to go straight to your liver, by the way. Glycogen. Right, high fructose corn syrup specifically. Mm-hmm. And this is accelerating the process I'm going to share with you. So what happens with basic sugar where you're getting glucose from a food source is that first of all, it's going to fill up your muscle glycogen, 
So the muscle glycogen that's been depleted, which is great, you need that. But then sugar being in your bloodstream or glucose is very dangerous to your body in, in abundance because it's sort of like little shards of glass and it can start to tear up stuff, right? This is why you see people with insulin resistance, diabetics losing their vision or needing um, parts of their body getting amputated, you know, where there's smaller capillaries. It really can start to cause a problem. And so your body and its infinite intelligence, after the muscle glycogen is filled, it will ship that, uh, that, that glucose to your liver. Which again, high fructose corn syrup goes straight to the liver, right? So once it gets to your liver, it fills up your liver glycogen now, right? So we filled up muscle glycogen, topped off the liver glycogen. So it's like the two sugar batteries in our yes. body, you yeah. know, which is, you know, sugar is one of the fuel sources, but we have like battery systems. And yeah. when, when the sugar converts to the battery form, which is the glycogen form, muscle glycogen and liver glycogen that's like in the battery form but the battery like any battery can only charge so much yeah exactly. and so what does the body do with the overcharge yes and that's what you're about to tell me. this is where the issue begins to take place because again in your body's infinite intelligence it can't just put this back into your bloodstream in the form of this sugar so it converts it it's a process called lipogenesis all right fat creation and it creates fat out of the sugar that you consumed all right and so one of the products that, you know, it's going to probably get uh, added with the carrier molecule, namely cholesterol, and your particle size might become an issue here because you're going to create something called low-density lipoprotein with a V in front of it, all right? So it's VLDL, very low-dense lipoprotein, which has a tendency towards a smaller particle size. And these are the more dangerous forms, potentially dangerous forms, of what we call cholesterol when you get a panel done. So even when you get a traditional panel done, you don't just go, you know, how's my LDL to HDL ratio? That's ridiculous. You need to look at the particle size and you need to ask your physician to do that. And also the more telling piece of that equation, by the way, plus some people just genetically have higher cholesterol, mm -hmm. all right? And they live, you know, George, George Burns years, you know, like Betty... How old is Betty White? Like she's been old for like 50 years. Yeah, like 112. You know, she probably has <laughs> off the charts cholesterol, you yeah. know, like there's a genetic component there as well. But with that said, so when we get into the situation where we're looking at this panel, triglycerides, right? So these blood fats that are heavily influenced by sugar is the main determining factor, which are triglycerides look like. And I've seen this clinically over and over. I can't even tell you how many times that we shift the ratio of carbohydrates that people are taking in and they see their numbers plummet, their triglycerides plummet. And they get a more ideal uh, ratio yep. of their cholesterol. Because again, this is something for, if we're looking at the, the medical philosophy, the, the, the larger picture here, cholesterol is so important to your well-being, but it's been marketed to us. This is the big moneymaker for drug companies, all right? Statins, billion dollar industry. All right, there's a problem. There's a big, big problem. So with that. yeah. So and what you're saying is, is that we're we're taking, they've taken this correlation, right? Which is a correlation between these, you know, high cholesterol numbers, and they've correlated that to heart disease. Well, the correlation does not necessarily mean causation, right? Right. And what's really we're finding is the cause is these high sugar, high refined carbohydrate diets are the actual cause of two different things. Yes, that will create these create these high cholesterol numbers but it's actually creating the heart disease itself that's the root source that's the root cause it's not the cholesterol itself it's this 
it's the root source of this. And then these statins come in and they're just battering down your cholesterol numbers, which is just a correlation, not necessarily the, not at all the causation. It's a, it's a correlative effect, but it's targeting the correlative you know, effect rather than the causative effect, which is the fucking sugar at the beginning part of it. But they're making billions battering down that statistic um, and showing efficacy in reducing that statistic. Yeah, you know, the statins will reduce these numbers, but it's not proving effective because you're not catching it at the root. Right. You know, you're just treating some other random manifest, not random, but some other manifestation of the very root problem. But that's a great way, you know, if you take the, you know, drug company conspiracy kind of kind of line, which isn't really conspiracy, it's just kind of following the money at other people's expense, then it's a way that you'll continually be able to serve people's statins because you're not fixing the root cause, you're just attacking some correlative symptom of the main issue. And that's a way that you can keep people on a drug for for and ever until they until they're done until the statins start to erode the other components of the body right. you know which cuz they're intensely you know harmful and have a bunch of different side effects you know we still want to have the belief and it's just a fundamental belief i love that quote from einstein like the most important decision we make is whether we live in a friendly or hostile universe and living that way in our lives personally and so I like to think that there are still good intentions behind some of these things. Like people are like, I'm making life-saving drugs. But if you take really smart people and you teach them the wrong thing, they become amazing at doing the wrong thing, mm -hmm. right? And so what if we could, again, this is what we're doing, even the podcast medium is so powerful because it makes the education accessible and easy. And you can go and triple check me, right? You don't have to just listen to the expert. You can yep. go and find out for yourself yep. if you want to jump into you know, that rabbit hole. But here's right here. Uh, there was a study that was done recently. It's a Finnish study that found that nearly 50% increase in diabetes for people taking cholesterol-lowering drugs. All right. Because, and why is that? It's because you're masking the symptom, mm -hmm. right? You're putting a Band-Aid on a huge wound, which is your metabolism is broken because of sugar, you know? And so, what we're doing here is we're allowing for this other illness to get on top of your body. And I guess this is a good point. We could even talk about the process of, you know, how your body even creates fat, burns fat. Like how does that process even happen in the first place? Yeah, I think let's, so, <clears throat> so let's sum it up from the beginning. I think one of the, two of the things that we're talking about is that the body is a complex machine. And just because something is named fat, dietary fat, it's not going to come into your body as fat. And just because you have, dietary cholesterol, it doesn't mean it's going to come directly into cholesterol. And whether or not cholesterol is even a problem at all is a whole nother, right. is a whole nother thing. But in any case, it doesn't even work that way to begin with. And it's just, a, it's a nomenclature issue that's a problem. And where the root cause of these problems actually are is in sugar. And the policy shift that confounded this whole thing happened with two different individuals. One, Ansel Keys, the charismatic, well-connected guy, pushing this low fat you know, kind of concept. And then there was John Yudkin on the other side saying, no, fat's fine, especially in the forms that we were talking about as well, not the hydrogenated and, and highly processed, high omega-6 inflammatory fats, but the other fats, the more natural raw saturated fats and cholesterols and, and things that are part of the human diet for ages. Part of the first thing that an animal eats when it eats another animal is it goes for the fat, because as you said, it's energy. Right. So then it leads us to this point where, you know, drug companies have taken advantage of chasing some of these markers that aren't actually, you know, making people well. They're not treating the root cause, which is 
a metabolic condition from people having too much sugar. And that's this position that we're in that we're worldwide trying to reverse. But sugar now has its claws oh, yeah. into us. Oh, it yeah. has its, <laughs> its clasp into our bodies in multiple different ways. It's feeding microorganisms that love the sugar and are antagonistic to the body and want to survive and you know, tapping into the addictive neurochemicals in our brain and saying more, more, more M&Ms, more chocolates, more non-fat yogurt. Give me the non-fat yogurts. You know, and that's starting to... It's hard to reverse. We got a lot of momentum now that we got to reverse back. And that's always the, the tough thing. Yeah. I don't know if you, when you was talking about that, the Cadbury egg jumped into my head, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My God. If you've ever tried to get through one of those. So, you know, what you said before, it really does have our claw, its claws into us. And um, I shared with you earlier, we we're talking about this, that there's some really great research that's been done that's found that uh, sugar is effectively far more addictive than cocaine, all right? And so there's a study that was published in the Public Library of Science, and this was done on rats with no prior experience with cocaine or sugar, all right, artificial sweetener. How, I mean, how do they know those rats weren't right. ripping lines of cocaine before they, I mean, did they ask them? Maybe they lied on the survey. Right. You know, you can never trust someone when you ask oh, them if man. they've done cocaine. Have you worked with any Ninja Turtles? <laughs> Little rat. Yeah. Do, you have a, do you have a history? Yeah. Do you, have you a love story? pizza? <laughs> <laughs> and so what they did was they allowed the rats to choose eight times per day between a mutually two mutually exclusive levers, one that gave them a dose of cocaine and one that gave them a dose of sugar water. And the results were crazy. 94% of the time, 94% of the critters became hooked on sugar, not cocaine. All right, 94% of the time. And Rick James said it, cocaine is a hell of a drug, <laughs> right? But sugar is even more powerful. And so there's another part, a follow-up study that found that rats who were previously addicted to cocaine quickly switched their preference to sugar once it was offered as a choice. And so you thinking right now that you have a choice and that I can just choose to not eat Krispy Kremes, it's not that easy, my friend. You know, your body, this is, we're kind of hardwired to seek sweet you know this is an evolutionary adaption sure. that humans have because what that indicated as we evolved was a dense source of calories a dense source of energy but the problem was we didn't come across it all that often you might stumble upon some honey some fruits here or there which were not as sweet as today yeah, not it's even the close. bear in us right you know yeah. like we got to get as much calorie in our body as we can because who knows if the winter's going to be harsh who knows yeah, if the exactly. buffalo are going to veer right when we're expecting them to veer left and we're going to be hungry as shit Exactly. So, you know, the bear in us is like, ooh, something yeah. sweet. We'll pack yeah. on some fat. Yeah. You know, we'll take that process. We'll, we'll take all the honey we can. We'll max out our muscle glycogen and our liver glycogen and pack on some fat. Yeah. Sweet. Like, and it's, we're winning now. And it becomes difficult for it to get burned away as well. Because, yeah. again, your, body, your, your body's number one concern is survival. Not looking good on, you know, on Instagram. It's about survival first. Maybe you, bro. <laughs> but I'll trade a few years for a few more likes. <laughs> but if we can really understand that, that, you know, first and foremost, you know, our body's number one uh, modus operandi is survival. And I, sorry, I have to go back to that. What, how many people do you think if you actually offered them that? If you actually <laughs> offered them like, how about five years for like 500,000 likes? <laughs> They'd be like, 
Man, <laughs> I think a lot of people would. People would consider it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe it wasn't five hundred thousand. Maybe five million, but whatever. They'd be like, "Hey, ah, fuck, okay, <laughs> fuck those years. I'll take it now." In, in Instagram, ah, right. social media. <laughs> all right, sorry. So, Continue on. It's hard for the good. body to burn off this fat. All good. Yes. Yeah, so you know, your body becomes, <laughs> your body becomes, uh, really acclimated to putting this fat on, but very resistant at getting rid of it because, again, it's like. Just being careful. It's going about things in a careful fashion. And so coming across this through our evolution, your body, I mean, we have a, a craving, a desire for it. Back then, we didn't have very many options to get it. Today, that's all we have. Like you can literally just throw a stone and hit, you know, somewhere we can get massive amounts of sugar, right? We're swimming in it today to the degree that the average American eats about 100 pounds of sugar every year, right? A lot of that is in drink form. You know, this is in everything, you know, spaghetti sauces, you know, I mentioned earlier donuts, but even we have to be mindful of the fruits that we eat. Again, our ancestors didn't have that kind of access. Mm -hmm. All right. We think that a banana is something that's normal, natural. It's, it's a banana, right? Great source of potassium. The world's perfect food it was marketed as. But the reality is I just went to, um, I just came back from speaking at an event in the Philippines and I saw some more kind of indigenous bananas and they were a lot smaller and mm -hmm. they also had seeds. Like I could see the seeds and in a way you kind of had to eat them around them. You know, I mean, you could eat them, but it's not that easy. And it's rare that you'll actually see a banana like that. The ones that we see are, well, first of all, the seeds are like the reproductive bits of yeah. the banana. So your banana is impotent, right? Your banana already <laughs> Is infertile. Nobody it cannot. An impotent <laughs> it looks, but it looks no. And it's <laughs> tricking you. It's tricking you. It's smoking mirrors. But it and a lot of people don't realize this. But ba the bananas that we see today, whether it's organic or not, they can't reproduce on their own in nature anymore. You know, it needs human intervention because we wanted something easy to eat, very sweet. Yeah, and that's what we've got. Same thing with watermelon. Same thing. You know, and, seedless. Well, and the difference is, you know, it's, we're not saying all fruits are bad. Fruits have a naturally protective quality in, the, yes, in that the yeah. fiber slows down the absorption of the sugar to a certain and degree. And also the seeds. And the seeds. Well. Like all of the other components actually, instead of this being a massive rapid spike, you know, it, it kind of takes a little bit longer. Yes. It adds some other nutrients. So fruit is still a much better option than these processed refined sugars, which is like the hard drug. That's like the freebasing version <laughs> yeah. of sugar where it's just like, especially like a, a Coke or something like that. It's just yeah. bam, just hitting you like instantly. Whereas sugar and sugar from these fruits, even though it is fructose, you know, which is that, is that sugar that largely goes straight to the liver, bypasses the muscles. So isn't exactly in its most optimal form. Um, Nonetheless, it carried with a lot of other things that slow down the process, stretch it out a little bit, yeah. and give your body a little bit more to work with, which helps. Yeah. You know, which so helps. Be mindful. Work. And also, I'm a big proponent of putting these things in the right spot. You know, so today we trained here at On It. And when I went back home, it's not like, and I used a half a banana for the smoothie, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I did had the recovery protein, yep. half a banana, some of the, um, uh, the incredible nut butter, threw that in there as well. And you feel great, you know? And, you know, of course, some ice threw that in there mm -hmm. too. But in a normal circumstance, like I'm, I'm replenishing that muscle glycogen, I'm replenishing uh, the liver glycogen mm -hmm. through that. But if I'm just going walking around town eating 
you know, eating multiple bananas, which some people do, yep. you know, but you have to understand you're putting a lot of volatile energy in your body at one time. And so also you'll see these people um, doing these massive endurance exercise programs as well. It's just like, you can't live like that where you're just kind of living and doing an office job and eating a lot of fruit, but you can still enjoy fruit. You just need to be smart and how you place it into your itinerary. Yeah, totally. I mean, think about think about the, these sugars as ways to replenish things that are lost. Like I remember when when I would do like endurance mountain bike rides, you know, and after at a certain point in an endurance mountain bike ride, when you ingest sugar, it actually feels good for your body, yeah. you know, cuz yes. you're just massively glycogen depleted at that point. So you can eat, you know, something that's so gnarly that would give me like 10 stomach aches if I had it some very high sugar, like a Cinnabon or some mm. crazy thing like that. And your body will just, it feels like it absorbs it in a different way and you feel kind of okay. But normally the way people do it now is they do that at the end of their meal. Yeah, they have a meal right, that dessert. has sugar and simple carbohydrates and things that are already topping off all of their glycogen markers. And then they have dessert on top of it, which yeah. is the worst time. It's already taking things when things are maximally full and then boom, sending you on this massive blood sugar spike, which then triggers, you know, all of the issues that you have with insulin, you know, your body flooding yourself with insulin to try and shuttle all that sugar, you know, and then you get the insulin desensitization and all of those factors that start to point you towards these type two diabetes, you know, train. Exactly. I think it's such a great opportunity for us to, because a big thing that, and one of the reasons I love what you do is and, and this is what I, is the kind of foundational piece that I use on my show as well, on the Model Health Show, is helping people to really enjoy the process of being healthy, right? So we're not taking anything off the table. As a matter of fact, how about we upgrade it, mm -hmm. right? And so we make a little shift with the macronutrient ratio with dinner. And so we have our dessert. Maybe we upgrade the ingredients there, you know? So maybe we're using coconut flour and some yep. kind of almond flour or something to make some muffins or whatever the case might be. Or if you are going the straight Cinnabon route, Make sure that you're eating maybe a lower carb meal along yeah. with it or whatever the case might be. But we have to pay attention to this ratio because it's really, as we've been talking about, sugar that can kind of tip us into the dark side. Yeah, no doubt. And then also be aware that a lot of what the body starts to crave is the taste, you know, like, and things like stevia or monk fruit, you know, stay away from the artificial sweeteners, which are super toxic for you you know, all the diet Cokes and all of these things that have multiple studies showing carcinogenic effects. But there's some really cool plants, you know, stevia, which is a South American leaf, monk fruit, which is something that's been used in Tibet for a long time, like zero glycemic sweeteners that can give you that satisfaction of like, ah, this tastes great. You know, it's part of what's in our hemp force, you know, the sweetness that comes from it without using the sugar gives you that satisfaction or like a Zevia cola, you know, I'll sometimes drink these Zevia colas. And it's, yeah, it's not quite the same as a Coke, but I actually like it better because now if I drink a Coke, it's like, God damn, that's man, sweet. It, it hurts, It's man. like painfully sweet. Yeah. It's, like punch, it's like punching me in the mouth. <laughs> it's so sweet. But you'll have like one of these Zevia Colas and it'll really scratch the itch and, and your body will still yeah. kind of be thankful for it. And the mental triggers will at least calm the buzz. It'd be like 
you know, someone addicted to cigarettes, you know, getting the satisfaction from smoking one of those candy cigarettes that it was just powder, yeah. you know, we used to have as a kid, which is another crazy thing that we used to have oh fake candy God. cigarettes. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. use the, the hacks. Big lead too. Yeah, use the <laughs> hacks and the tools that we have to make, the, make life a little easier on yourself. This right. isn't about being, you know, totally austere like a monk and never enjoying the good parts of life. Yeah. There's a way to enjoy everything you just got to do it the right way. There's ways to enjoy the cheeseburger, enjoy the pizza, enjoy the thing. And it's about timing. It's about frequency. And it's about, you know, what you're using to compose these. Right. We can go, in real talk, not to get it twisted, we can go <laughs> off into the dark side and many different angles of this, you know, even with fat. Yeah. You know, and I've seen this done uh, to a detriment as well. You know, um, it's not, I'm not saying that you, and we've talked about the issue with the language, but I'm just using what we talk about today. But you could still get fat eating fat, all right? It's just much more difficult because of the satiety component. If you're eating real whole food, healthy fats, this is a big part of this equation today with having a healthy body composition is actually feeling satisfied because there are so many diets that work for different people. But the big component as far as them losing weight is whether or not they feel satisfied. Yeah, And that's really where the magic happens is finding that thing that you actually feel satisfied that you don't feel like you're on a diet. And so with, it's gonna be a tendency that more people are going to have more benefit with weight loss with the higher fat diet because it activates leptin, right? Leptin is your body's kind of glorified satiety hormone. And if it's not being produced in an optimal way, you're gonna be hungry more often. And it's just the nature of the beast. And then you've gotta battle cravings. You've gotta battle like, I shouldn't eat even though I'm hungry. Again, your body's about survival number one. And if it's telling you to eat, you're getting into this battle of willpower versus your biology. Mm -hmm. And for most of us, our biology is going to win out at some point, right? Our will can be incredibly strong, but your biology is pushing you towards survival. And so adding in some more high quality fats. And so what are we talking about even when we say that? So coconut, coconut products, um, nuts and seeds, avocado, avocado, one of, one of the favorites olives, and then intelligently extracted oils like olive oil, for example, but we want to use that in a smart way. There is a, a smoking point or a point that it can kind of shift and become mm. a little bit more volatile and problematic. More this is why, yeah, this is why we treat our, our olive oil better than we treat, we treat it like wine, basically. You know, most of the time you'll see it in dark glass bottles, right? Because it's also it's heat sensitive and it's light sensitive. Mm -hmm. Like it can break it down faster. And so you don't want to buy olive oil that's sitting in like a plastic uh, see-through jug. All right. That's not a good idea. And so with that, and also of course, high quality animal proteins and animal products, fatty fish, fatty cuts of meat, uh, just adding these things to your repertoire. There's some fatty fruits. Yeah, people, people, oh, it's, it's so popular, you know, get that lean protein. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like if the, if the source is good, cause again, you are what you eat and aren't, not only you are what you eat, but you are what you eat ate, you know? Yes. So like if you're getting a grass-fed cow, you got to imagine a cow eating all of these greens and grasses and weeds and shrubs and little things that a thing that the animal is supposed to graze on. And then that transfers to the meat. And then you're eating the meat and the fat that have gotten all of these nutrients and absorbed it rather than a single mono diet of corn and whatever, soy or whatever fuck they put in a normal mono diet for a cow. You know, you got to look at that. Other but when cows. you have that, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Mad cow. <laughs> That's how you get the mad cow. Um, but yeah, you, you, you take a look at that and then 
this whole idea of lean protein, like throw that shit out the window. Like the fats are a necessary part of what you need. Enough with the lean protein, enough with the egg whites, enough with the non-fat yogurt. Like stop it, everybody. You know what non-fat yogurt is? It's just concentrating the fucking lactose. Like, is that, the, is that what you want to do? Like, what is milk comprised of? It's got three parts. Protein, sugar, in the, lact- in the form of the lactose, and the fat. What are you saying? You're saying, oh, let's take out the fat, so we just got the protein-sugar combo? Mm. Like, it's insane. <laughs> Stop with the fucking low-fat, you know, there. Stop with all of this nonsense. Like, the science is there. This is not just opinion anymore. Right. You know, like, it's there. It's been there. And, you know, people are just reticent to change, whether that's... Um, momentum or whether that's some other kind of monetary gain or whether you know there's there's one thing i wanted to mention too there's a physicist named max planck and he said a new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents and making them see the light but rather because its opponents eventually die and a Mm. new generation grows up that is familiar with it and then that theory was confirmed by the natural national bureau of economic research they did a meta-analysis of 452 scientists who died at the peak of their prowess and when they died, you know, a whole new group of, of scientific theories sprung up in the absence of their death, whereas the people who followed their path, their papers and their peer-reviewed papers and their citations died down. But it literally took the dominant force in that field to die before the rest of the new information could flourish and science could advance. And, and it's just people holding on to things for ego's sake, you know? And like at the point for John Ansel Keys, when... He was looking at it and maybe he had that thought of like, fuck, maybe I was wrong. Mm. Well, if he had that thought, then everything he would have to admit to everybody that he was wrong yeah. and all of the people he ridiculed along the way and all of the things that he had done. And that's too much for people. It's yeah. too hard for people to admit they're wrong. So it's not necessarily maybe they're being nefarious. Maybe they're just protecting their ego. You know, they, yeah, they're not willing it. to admit they're wrong and willing to rethink and be mentally flexible. You know, do you know adapt. how difficult that is for a human being to do? Yeah. Um, because the number one driving force of the human psyche is to stay congruent with the ideas it carries of itself. Like all of your ideas, all of the things that you do are going to be working to reaffirm who you see yourself to be. So for you to be wrong, that doesn't compute already. It's why it's so difficult to admit your, you know, when you mess up. But that becomes, it's a skill. It's something that you can develop. You practice it. As soon as you mess up, admit it. And then he's like, ah. Oh. Take the lump. And then it just yeah. gets easier and easier yeah. until until it just becomes laughable. Do you know how many times I've said I'm sorry to my wife? Just <laughs> yeah. this week. Yeah. All right. This was it pales in comparison to our first year together, you know. I was laughing. It was like last week. I was just laughing with uh, with Whitney, my fiance, just going, Man, I'm so dumb. And not in like a, <laughs> a harsh, like self-deprecating way. Just being like, God, I'm just dumb. You know, you know, and, and this is not me beating myself up. I wasn't upset about it. It's just a recognition. Like yeah. we're all, we're all dumb. We're all just figuring stuff out. Like quit this high and mighty opinion of ourselves. Like we're a man of knowledge and yeah. yeah, we're just learning. We're just learning more and getting better. And and when you look back in hindsight, you look back and like, man, I was dumb. <laughs> and that's okay. It's okay to be dumb. We're all dumb. We're all learning. We're all yeah. fucking making mistakes. Like you don't have to attach your identity to being right all the time. Yeah, if if we could take on that mentality, really, of being a lifetime student, you know, like embracing that, because that's what we really are. That's what you have to be, yeah. unless you are fighting the system, which you can't win. You can't win this. You know, this is how we evolve. This is how we're wired up. And it, like you, you mentioned something earlier, just talking about our ego. Man, it's like, 
I think, and you've probably talked about this on your show before, mm-hmm. but that separation, when you can see that it's not that the ego is bad per se, it's like, no. it's a tool, but you can't fully put your entire beingness into this, that this is who you are, because it sets you up for a lot of problems, you know? So the more we can create more of a, a separation or an, um, a different perspective to see the ego and to utilize that and to add, you can even more easily add character pieces, take them out. What if you could actually change your character, you know? And some people do that, by the way. You know, their like high school experience sucks and they move to, you know, whatever, France and they're all of a sudden they're the exotic person or whatever. And nobody has to know about what happened in your past. Like you were stuffed in a locker. Like you can create a whole new identity. What I just gave, that example, we could do that at any time. Yep. You can become the kind person. You can become the strong person. You can become whatever it is. It's a decision. Because you're not who you were yesterday. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's, you're not the you're person literally. that that had that stuff happen. You're the person with the knowledge and with the temperance and with the wisdom gained from being that person. Yeah. You're, you're a new person right now. The cells turn over. How fast do the cells turn over in the body, roughly? It depends on the type of cell. Well, in, give an example. <laughs> I mean, some could be 24 hours. 24 hours yeah. cells are turning, but all your cells are turning over all of the time. You're physically comprised of a new human being with new, fresh, brand new cells. You're a new person with new knowledge. Your neurons have different store yeah. stuff stored in them. Everything about you is new and different. You're not the same person that you were. And when you acknowledge that, you can decide what you want to be from here forward and not let the past drag you into old patterns. And mm. yeah, there'll be some momentum and there'll be some things clinging on to you, holding on to you, trying to pull you back to your old ways. But when you determine like, I'm not that person, I'm this person and move forward, eventually you'll just start shrugging those off. Like when you see Wolverine pulling the, pulling the wires out of his body mm, or something yeah. like that. All right, not anymore for you, not anymore for you, sugar addiction, not anymore for you. And then you just emerge as a different person and that's possible. We've both seen it so many times, You know, working with different individuals, having people come up to us, just from the information on a podcast yeah. and be like, I lost 100 pounds, it changed my life. People yeah. in the gym, people all over the place that we meet, we see it happen. It's possible for all of us. We're all made of that same stuff, that resiliency that can bounce back and decide to be something different. Just got to fucking do it. Ah, say no more. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. I love you, Sean. Please, everybody, you, if you're looking for information on health, there's only a few resources to go. The Model Health Show is one of the absolute best blending the information with the scientific studies, always dropping them, putting them in the show notes and giving the information, but allowing you to look for yourself, which I highly encourage all of us to do. As we saw, you know, scientists, doctors, everybody's not always gonna be right. You can't just trust the system. Yeah. Gotta look at the research and, and you know, make some educated decisions for yourself. And that's one of the beauty, beautiful things of what you do is you give the information, you pull it together, but you also point people back to the research, back to the facts so they can check it out and make it for themselves. So download the Model Health Show, it's awesome. Check it out and follow you everywhere. Where else Where else can they follow you? Socials and all, yeah, the, all uh, the stuff. Uh, people could just hit up themodelhealthshow.com and all my socials there. So uh, thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. Been a blast. Thank you, everybody. Much love. Peace. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you want to support the show, the best way is to leave a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you, and it's great to help spread the word. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. 
I wanted to tell you guys about a book that I recently read. It's called Tripping Over the Truth, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer. Now, for any of you who have ever had cancer in the back of your head or know someone affected by this disease, this book will absolutely change the way you think about it. It sheds light on some of the fundamental principles that unify all different types of cancers and some potential ways that you can treat this disease in ways that are available right now. And one of the most important, one of the most significant books, I think, that's been written on the topic, and I can't more highly encourage you to read it. If you want to review, go to aubreymarcus.com cancer, or just look it up wherever books are sold. And it's Tripping Over the Truth, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer by Travis Christofferson. Please check it out.